Welcome, everybody. You are now locked into Conversations. This is our podcast here at Complex Creative, and my name is Tobias Rose. I'm the principal and the creative director here at Complex, and I'm also the host here at Conversations. As I said before in our last episode, we're doing this thesis. We're doing this deep dive into what we like to call the new economy. And in this sense, the new economy is this life after, rather, this life while we're going through this global pandemic. And I have one of my, my good friends, collaborators, my good um, co-troublemaker. Yeah, the homie. Uh, the homie. <laughs> <laughs> the homie, drinking partner, yeah. uh, Dr. Cicely Mitchell. What's yeah. poppin'? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Glad, glad to be out in the house. Yeah. 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 Not stuck behind a computer. Yeah. Well, it's good to have you out here. Yeah. And people in the community know you as the founder. Of, mm-hmm. I'm going to let you say it. I, I'll say co-founder. We can't forget. We can't forget. Homie. Yeah, we can't forget, can't forget Albert. Albert. Yeah. yeah, Al Strong. There you go. Um, co-founder of the Art of Cool. Original mm-hmm. Art of Cool. Classmate from NCCU. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can't go I to Central. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, I want to talk to you about this life after article because you you uh, you sold it, um, you did an exit, and then you pivoted. Yeah. In a great way, I think. And the reason why I think it's a great way is because I remember when you started article. Mm-hmm. And and I tell people this all the time. When I, when I tell kind of the Durham story of where we are, I always like to include you. And I tell people, there was a time <laughs> when you would walk around downtown Durham and you would just hear jazz from different directions. Yeah. And a lot of times the reason why that was happening was because you curated the stage at this particular business and that business and that business at the same time. Yeah. I think back on that and I don't know how... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we did it, but we did. Yeah. You know, just kind of looking back at it, you know, at any given at any given time, you could be at the Durham, mm-hmm. and jazz was going on. Bu, yep. um, I don't know, Penhook, yep. Motorco, yep. Yep. Alley Twenty Six, um, Whiskey. Mm-hmm. You know, oh so. man, you took it back. Oh yeah. yeah, like that was the that. whiskey. Yeah jam sessions mm-hmm. were really the only time um that i remember branford kind of coming out he would only play there um you know back in the day if he wasn't over at central you know with his students um but if he came to kind of jam i think there was like an upright piano there at whiskey and um brian horton Brian. would um, host a jam session there and it was just grown you know it was like super dark yeah. um, you know and you could just kind of teleport to you know another place as if you were in New Orleans because they would play um, you know kind of in New Orleans style and it was just amazing that is cool yeah well cool so <laughs> <laughs> I remember probably 2010 maybe earlier than that I remember you coming to my office the old office. The old, the old office. office, yes. And, and you had this idea, and we talked then about kind of the origin of this idea. Can you talk again about where this all came from? Where is it? The, the t- tell me the origin of the cool. Yeah. You know, and when I say the cool, I'm talking about even what you're doing now. Where did all this come from? Being a bio, 
biostatistician. Biostatistician, yes. yes. Um, so it all um, really started from, you know, meeting Al um, and then realizing that there were these amazing musicians in this music scene that I knew nothing about. Um, so just kind of tagging along really at first with him at Tallulah's in Chapel Hill. I don't know if you remember, but they had a jam session there and it just really started from just tagging along with him and thinking, you know, more people need to know about them, like what they're doing. I mean, who doesn't want to come and drink a little and listen a little and have a, have some fun. And so it kind of started from there. Um, there were, uh, there was an art gallery down at Golden Belt, um, Labor called Love. Labor Love. Yeah. And, um, I just went in there one day and asked them, you know, can we take over your space, yeah. um, and put on our own concert. And at the time, I believe it was something that not too many people were doing. Like people were going to restaurants or going to clubs and just taking the gig from the venue, but there really wasn't um, these pop-up kind of uh, jazz clubs for one night only. And that's what we were, you know, trying to, to bring about. What was amazing back then for Labor Love was how you all changed the entire space. Like the outside area, we had a food truck. This was before <laughs> It was crazy. Was it was crazy how we did it. Yeah. Like um, we piggybacked off of um, Third Friday Art Walk, and that was just because, you know, that's training wheels, right? Yeah. People are already down in that space, so maybe they'll stay later. So um, all the onus wasn't on us, you know, bringing the people. Some of the people were already still there. It's a cheat um, code, y'all. Yeah, so yeah. If you're trying to do what she's doing, <laughs> piggyback. Piggyback. That's a cheat yeah. code. That's dope. So um, Third Friday Art Walk um, was when we would do it. We would literally, right after Art Walk, lock the door for about 30 minutes and load in the chairs, load in the sound, and, you know, then take tickets at the door and then open it back up as if it was, like, our venue for the night. And so... What was beautiful about it was that, you know, you had the art. And so that's a, a beautiful backdrop. There was nothing else competing um, with it. Cause you know, sometimes when you're at like a restaurant or something, you know, there's, you know, stuff clanking. There's, you know, you hear the coffee grinding, you know, but in this particular setting, there was nothing else competing with it. There was this beautiful backdrop of artwork. Actually and adding to it, the experience. Right, right, as yeah. part of it. And then, um, you know, the musicians playing original tunes or, or, you know, if it wasn't original tunes, it was, you know, their version of those tunes. It was just a, a beautiful night. And so, um, you know, unbeknownst to us, we didn't think we were building anything. It was just, it was more about, okay, Al has a place to play and he'll invite his friends to come play, you know, every third Friday. And then it would go from there. But Frank Myers who is one of the artists that was showing there, he's a photographer and does digital art. He was like, what's the name of your organization? I'm like, it's not an organization. We're not an organization. So he was like, no, like this could be something. So I always pick with Frank and say, you know, you were, you were the reason why we did Article and I had to go and find a name for it because you thought that this was going to be something. And, and that's the thing about, you know, when other people believe in you before you even know like what it is. And so it just kind of snowballed from there. Wow, I remember you saying, I'm gonna have a festival. And everyone was just like, 
Okay, okay. You're going to try to do a festival, like a whole festival, yeah. and then yeah. you did it. It, I still thinking back on it, it was crazy. But yeah, you you made you did something that people are still talking about. Yeah, you know all the craziest, most brilliant ideas happen like it that. It was the craziest, most brilliant thing I probably ever did. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. It was fun. It was hard. It was, I think one thing that was really motivating us was that a lot of people couldn't believe that we were doing it. So, you know, how that kind of drives you like, oh, yeah, right. They said we couldn't do it or or what have you. Um, One thing that was really cool was when we got to do the pitch competition Mm -hmm. and um, American Tobacco, man, (laughs) and I'm not, I'm not a pitcher. I'm still proud of you for doing it. So I'm not. I'm not someone that I would go do the research, which I did. You know, I would analyze the data. I would put together all the documents. But it's like, no, I want you to get up in front of people and then state the case. Not in a paper, but actually state the case. And so that was what was the most challenging for me was trying to figure out, you know, how are we going to get up on the stage at BU? How are we going to get their attention? So I was like, Al, I need you to play something. So at least everybody be quiet. And he played a little bit. And then as he finished playing, then I came in and, and pitched for the festival. And people were excited. Uh-huh. I was in it. Because uh-huh. I, <laughs> I was like, they're not going to listen to me just get up there. So it was a good one-two punch, yeah. right? Like he... He was, you know, of course, the performer. And then, you know, I was the person that was there kind of down in it doing, trying to, you know, get people um, putting money towards it. That was the biggest thing is I learned during that process that people weren't really giving money per se to the festival. They were really buying into like me, Al, the fact that we could do it, the, um, kind of excitement that we would bring for downtown. We came at a, at a really good time, you know. Um, it was kind of during that cohort of all the things, like, you know, BU and the parlor. And it was during that time when um, doing a Kickstarter was the thing around here. And anybody who had a really good idea that was putting in work that did a Kickstarter was getting funded in a big way. And so we were part of that. And, I mean, it was just kind of a, it was kind of a golden I think it's like a golden time, you know, during the development of, of what downtown was. So you, as I said before, you put your mark on downtown and Durham as a whole. I think I think you should probably go into history books. That's just my opinion because of the work you've done. If there's ever that would be cool. like a business encyclopedia yeah. that talks about the things that changed culture, things that just changed Durham or affected Durham, I feel like the art of cool should be in there. Yeah, the first year was just, mm-hmm. uh, first year we did it was crazy. That's but the one that was here downtown, right? That was the one, it was. Like you took, you did a bunch of stages. We did American Tobacco, like right in front of the Aloft, mm-hmm. that space, which I haven't seen, I haven't seen anyone really like do a, a nice big kind of flourishing pop-up in that space. Like people usually do under the water tower but we didn't have the water tower at that time i think they were doing weddings or what have you so we had to use the space that open space right in front of the aloft um we did that and it was free mm-hmm. you could see Cho- uh, cody chestnut free cool. you know 
And you, you can't see Cody Chestnut free. Absolutely not. No, <laughs> we no. gave away so much free stuff. I mean, it was insane. But then um, another kind of highlight was um, we took over Hey Tide mm. for two nights. And the, I really am proud of the work that we did there um, where we had, you know, Alice Smith mm. tore it up. Bilal was there. A lot of like soul singers, um, King mm -hmm. performed, and you know, there was a line going all around Hey Tai. It just really kind of showed, you know, what Hey Tai's, um, you know, performance space could be. Yeah. Um, so that was really beautiful, you know, yeah. to see people in the pews, in the rafters. Looking like the Apollo uh, Theater. The Foreign that. Exchange was yeah. the big draw. Um, it was, oh, I remember. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was just funny seeing Fonte, Fonte being Fonte in the pulpit, you know, doing his thing. And so that was. That's my brother. I can't even. All I can do is. <laughs> Amel LaRue was there. Um, oh, wow. You know, every man known to earth was fan, fan, you know, fanning out. I love her. <laughs> I do. I, I couldn't I even go her. to the barbershop. I'd be in a barbershop and dudes would be like, oh, yeah, you got my girl. You got my. And I'm like, y'all still on that. It was yeah. just funny because you usually see girls like that over like, you know, D'Angelo, Maxwell, whatever. And so to see guys fan out over Amel LaRue was a trip. Amel <laughs> is, is beautiful. If it was if it was Sade. Oh, she's like unicorn, though. I mean, yes. who, who who books Sade? No one. No one. No one. No one. Like Sade. But if it was Sade, mm -hmm. I would have to I would show up um, with a ring that I bought her when I was in college <laughs> my, my sophomore year. I'm sorry, Chantal. But, it would uh, be funny how many <laughs> girls like Chantal would be standing off to the side like this. <laughs> Just mad. Like, that's my ring. Oh, no. <laughs> she it, got my ring. I love her. She's incredible. I, so I want to talk a little bit about the, the rise into becoming Dr. Sissy. So okay. you are also a product of an HBCU. Yes. So I went to undergrad at Tennessee State. Okay. Mm -hmm. And who else went to Tennessee State? Oprah. Everyone needs to know that. I yeah. want to make sure that everyone knows that Oprah went to the same school. When I went there, I mean, she was just so important. Even the, you know, what the IT system was Harpo dot blah, blah, blah. Are you serious? Yes. It was Harpo something. I was like, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so what did you take with you from Tennessee State? Oh, everything. Um, how to even attempt to try to organize a article festival came from... You know, just, you know, being in a sorority, going to an HBCU, having a deal, uh, put on something big with a little bit, you know, um, how to market something with a little piece of money, um, how to network, you know, how to ask for money, Everything. all the things, how to put together like a string of programming. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an AKA Alpha Psi chapter. I mean, we would have to put together weeks. Like there was AKA week, Alpha Psi week. And so every day had to have, you know, a program and you're competing with the Deltas, right? Or with the Zetas or, or whoever, Sigma Gamma Rho. And your week had to be, you know, the week that was talked about amongst the sororities. And so, you know, being able to learn that skill put together a string of events that will happen, you know, just like our article that happens over a weekend. Yeah. You know, learning that skill really did come from HBCU. 
you know, a lot of people don't realize how important those skills in college are. You know, I had the same experience with mm -hmm. Nesby. Yeah. You know, so in Nesby, I was on the regional advisory board and the national executive board. Excuse me, I'm on the regional advisory board now. I was on the regional executive board and the national executive board as a student, but we had to put together a conference. Mm -hmm. And then on the national executive board, you are helping to put together an entire, at that time, national convention. Now it's an international convention as a student. Yeah. And so all of that gave me, and even the strategic planning that we learned in doing that, it gave me a lot of the tools that I needed that helped us put together Black Wall Street Homecoming. Mm -hmm. You know, but it, it's interesting because I remember the things that I learned in school and thinking, I'm never going to use this again. <laughs> and now I'm using it all the time, yep. even the strategic planning stuff. But it's just amazing to hear you say that because that's the same thing I was doing. I thought I was cheating the game, but you're no, still doing the same thing. I mean, um, you don't realize it, you know, until, you know, you look back and you're like, man, like that's I didn't realize that, you know, that's where it came from. But, you know, we're a product of, you know, we came up in households that watched the Cosby show, a different world, um, you know, Spike Lee's, you know, do the right thing and, you know, school days and all of that. And that was kind of, those were the advertisements going to HBCUs, I wanted to, you know, be in that situation where, because I was from a very rural part of Tennessee, um, where I was the only black in most of my my classes. But my parents went to, my, my dad went to Morehouse, my mom went to Spelman. So I would go to homecomings with them and see that and was like, you know, when I go to undergrad, I want to make sure I go to a HBCU so I can have that immersive experience have a black professor teach me on that level um and then have just that that camaraderie yeah. right so that was you know the impetus of wanting to go there i didn't know your story was so so like mine so I, i'm from kannapolis okay North carolina and in kannapolis while i wasn't the only black guy there 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 really wasn't a whole lot of positive examples for me to look to yeah you know we had a few and some of those few were people that were already related to me. Yeah. And so it was cool, but once I went to NCCU, I saw so many different people. Mm -hmm. um, my RA was from Trinidad, Andre. Wow. Yeah. So my RA was from Trinidad. My business partner is from, uh, well, my old business partner back then, he was from the VI, Virgin Islands. So mm -hmm. I'm meeting all these different types of people. I'm meeting Whitley Gilbert. Yeah. I'm meeting Dwayne <laughs> Waynes. People are calling me Dwayne Wayne. Right. You know, but people call me Whitley. Call you Whitley. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's, it's the thing. Yeah, because it's a Southern thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, uh, it's funny because I didn't know that that was something that I needed, mm -hmm. you know, from, from, for my own identity. I needed to be around the diaspora. Yep. And, and so in Kannapolis, I didn't meet people from Africa. You right. Know? I didn't meet Caribbean people. I didn't meet black people that were rich. Until right. I went to <laughs> you know, that was weird to me. It's just like, you, why do you have a BMW? You know, Mercedes, why, do you why are you driving that right now? Yep. Oh, your dad is judged such and such. Okay. Yeah. I get it. I yep. make, it makes sense now. You know, but that was something that I needed to see. Yeah. It changes. Again, it's perspective, but it changes how you see yourself. Yeah, I needed to be in that environment to just like have a support system because I was always like excelling in math, excelling in 
you know, the sciences and it can be lonely, you know, if you don't see someone like yourself or um, there are some things that just mentorship wise I got at a HBCU that I mean, you know, then I went on to UNC Chapel Hill um, where, again, still a little bit lonely and isolating where you get a, the more one on one coaching like I don't know what this is. Can you tell me like there's no shame in that? as opposed to it's hard to ask those questions when you know people are already looking at you like i know she don't know or you don't even get invited to their study group to even you know kind of help one another out so i know that feeling yep so i want to pivot because you touched on something that's really important so you talked about the loneliness and i remember Myself, I was the same way. I excelled mm -hmm. in math, science, and uh, I was English. And so, for me, being the only black kid in AG sometimes, it was weird. <laughs> uh, but I was reminded of that feeling last year, hmm. 2020. Yeah. And I'm in my house all the time. Yeah. And it reminded me of that. With you and the work that you do, you bring people together. Yeah. So how did that affect you when we had to shut down? I mean, did you feel, I don't want to say you felt that same, that same loneliness you felt back then. Yeah. But, and I don't even want to put emotions in your, I'm just saying, how did you feel? Um, it was weird because it was a chance to slow down. Because up until, I guess, the pandemic, maybe right before selling article, it was just go, 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 go. Like as soon as you're done with the this festival, maybe we take a week off, then I have to analyze all the data to figure out, you know, this is how I am. I'm gonna take all the data from the surveys. Like I put the survey out, I gotta analyze it, and then we gotta figure out what we're gonna do for next year. It just was constant go. I think the pandemic at first was really good to just slow down. I needed that too. Yeah, I think I think we all needed yeah. it because I feel like Durham and then probably the the larger ecosystem, we're just charting a course where it's just like, go, 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 go. You, you've got to stop and deal with some systemic issues, right, that have been happening because I will say I was kind of victim of one of those uh, levels of thinking where after the Obamas came into power or whatever, that was all good that, you know, not racism doesn't exist, but that we've moved on, right? Like that a black man and woman can be first family and people are good. Yeah. But it was something about, you know, that, that pandemic that then kind of shined a spotlight even further yeah. on some of the things that we've been kind of just pushing to the side. So we need to slow down and, I think, address some things. Um, you know what I'm saying? I agree. I, I told someone this. I said, you know, what's happening right now is we're having a family disagree. <laughs> That's the best way I know how to describe it. Like, if you were to look at humans as being brothers and sisters, you know, because we really are at the end of the day. We're all related. Right now, as, as some people, I think Jeff Durham over the chamber, he called it a racial reckoning, mm. you know. And I hadn't heard that. But... It's like you said, we're pushing things to the side. So, yeah, this was a reckoning. Um, but with all that being the case, we're still family. And this is something that we have to get through so we can be better. 
But I think that's what happened for years and years and years. We ignored it. It's not a thing anymore. Oh, racism. Yeah, it's all good. You know, I voted for the Obamas. You know what I'm saying? Like that that was kind of like, what is that? That's the that's the calling card to say that you cool with black people. But I will say the that last year was, you know, we need to slow down. Mm -hmm. I felt exhausted, Yeah. exhausted, like just um, news overload, because Remember, the pandemic wasn't really our first thing of last year. It no, was right. it was Kobe Bryant dying. You're right, Kobe Bryant. Right. And too. so Kobe Bryant passing, we were fresh off of that. Mm-hmm. Right? And we could still move about and there was no like lockdown, at least in the US. It was just kind of whispers. I mean, we so, still had the president that and I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say it because that's how I felt. We had a president that, for me, um, created a lot of trauma. I, I do feel like, you know, people have their um, opinions about, like, Dr. Fauci and, like, what's going on, you know, just research-wise. Mm-hmm. But he didn't allow the scientists and the researchers that are doing this work day-to-day yeah. to, to do their jobs, right? Yes. I felt like they were kind of, you know, hushed, silenced, yeah. um, mocked. Um, you know, treated, ridiculed, or or what have you under that regime. How did you feel as a scientist when you saw that? (laughs) It's hard because, you know, I'm even on Zoom calls with my family trying to, you know, let them know that, yes, it's okay. Like when the vaccine does come out, you know, there is a race to a vaccine. You should be getting it when it comes out. It's not a conspiracy. No one's trying to, you know, shoot you with a chip or whatever like i mean it's it's hard because you know a lot of the work that we do is you know you have to sign these documents saying that you can't really speak on you know what's going on so it's hard sometimes to sit back and watch it all play out you know people's opinions on social media and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing can you touch on that a little bit because we didn't really talk about that a whole lot but you Mm -hmm. talked about how you had to sign something so you don't say a whole lot can you talk about your role and and what you're doing with with the the vaccine right so or excuse me with covid with covid yeah so i work for senios health and we're a contract research organization and so what we do is we win contracts from different pharma companies to help them um with their clinical trials and so um, that's any pharma company they could be coming up with uh, a cure for cancer or a cure for AIDS or, you know, trying to have a vaccine come forth, um, you know, for COVID. So that's what I do. I'm a director, so I don't lead any studies, but I manage, um, you know, statisticians that are, you know, helping with that research. And what we do is literally, when my dad always tried to explain it and he asked me, what is it you do again? We help legal drug dealers get their drugs out on the market. We prove that this drug is safe and effective. Yeah, that's how I saw my dad was like, I help legal drug dealers get their drugs out on the market. And we do that with math. That's funny. Proving that it's safe and effective. That's that's my short elevator pitch, or you know, for what I do day to day. That's funny. All right, we'll go back <laughs> to the fun stuff. So, before the pandemic started, you had begun working with Golden Bell. Yeah. Can you talk about that work and how it led to you now also working with Box Yard? Yeah. So it's an interesting pivot, right? So. 
During the time of um, you know curating different spaces for Art of Cool Festival, you know you um, you know develop a name or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so Golden Belt um, wanted to launch a stage, and um, I don't know how my name was mentioned, but it's your sister Mitchell, <laughs> come on now, y'all. This is after she had crushed it with Art of Cool. <laughs> And so now she's like, I don't know how my name is. Yeah, you're the first person. I'm just a lowly statistician. Whatever. You're the first name. When people say, I want to do something live, Sicily. I didn't finish my sentence yet. Oh, okay. Go ahead and finish it. So initially, yeah. this was before all the construction over there. Okay. Like literally, Highwire wasn't there. It was, they just purchased the back part of it. And it was still raw. Like it had not been fixed up. You know that you're one of the reasons why we signed on to that project. Really? Yeah, I saw you. I saw that you were working with it. And Justin, he used it. Shout out to Justin. Yeah. Um, he used it as a selling point. He was like, "Yeah, we got Sister Mitchell <laughs> working on the project." And I was like, "Oh, that's my girl. All right, well, we'll help you with the website." Well, Since you know, I got a soft spot <laughs> for Golden Belt because yeah. of that art gallery Labor that was love, there, yeah. Labor Love, and yeah. so it felt oh, it felt crazy. right. It felt right for so me cool. because I had left Article Festival, but. You know, I was coming back home to Golden Belt yeah. to help them launch their stage. So it felt right. So, um, you know, initially it was rough back there and he was showing me all the plans and John Warsilla, mm -hmm. um, you know, showed me all the things and Vandana. Yeah. And so I said, you know, let's put together, um, you know, some programming and just see. And then. I believe it took them a little longer, like any project, like yeah. you building a house is going to take a long time. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Um, it took them a little longer. I think we were supposed to launch one year and we, we launched the following year. Mm -hmm. But um, it was a lot of fun. We did 80 plus free events. You've done that already? Yeah. The first year that we launched, we did music. We did... Oh gosh, we did film, we did um, some workout stuff on the lawn, we did some, you know, kid-friendly stuff. So it's um, not just music? No, okay. no, it's not just music. We are on kind of a abbreviated, because we're in COVID. Yeah, I want to um, talk about that too. Yeah, we are in like abbreviated programming where we're just doing the music part um, mm -hmm. this year and we're not doing all the other stuff. Um, but you know, that first year, you know, we, we start with a, um, block party, which is just to kind of celebrate and it's, you know, you can think of it as a one day mini festival type thing. I think I may have showed up to that first block party. Yeah. Is that we, the one I we would have had, we had, um, Rhapsody or not Rhapsody. We had Heather Victoria, Heather Victoria and some of the, um, Jamla. the Jamla yeah. people. Yeah, do man. it that year. I don't know why I said Rhapsody. Um, she's Heather, with Jamla. She is with Jamla, <clears throat> but we didn't have budget for that. Oh, <laughs> no, my, my sweet Marlena. She has grown up and I love and seeing she, it. And she deserves it. Yes, she and does. And she deserves it. Yes. Um, but we had Heather and, you know, some of their other artists. And yeah. actually, because it was that weekend was Record Store Day. We oh, yeah. kind of built off of um, some of the other, you know, people who have, you know, labels in this Smart. area. So how did that lead into Boxyard RTP? Because now you have Golden Belt, which is right outside of downtown. And yeah. then you got Boxyard, which is in Research Triangle Park. And yeah. they just, what, they just opened up in the middle of COVID? They did. Yeah. They did. So there were another where it was like we were supposed to do it one year and then 
I think COVID got in the way. Yeah. And so we couldn't we couldn't launch until this year. Oh, I um, so so this is another situation where you had to start a whole year after you had intended. Yeah. Wow. So um, I think people that's my calling card now. I guess it's yeah. just launching stages and a you know we kind of have like a, no, a year later like <laughs> not, not on, on you. time not, not on, on you. time <laughs> you know we're gonna get it up right but, um i think you know being a statistician i'm someone who i like to template out things mm. right like there's a formula for things so it, it's easier to do like you launch one stage or you launch one thing you've kept all your records you've kept all your budgets you've kept all your contacts so you know it's starting to become easier and easier to you know you know have venue plug play mm -hmm. you know i've got my core team that i like to work with tess is tess mangamo kenya is my right hand i could not do any of these projects without yeah. Tess. Tess um, is actually a collaborator with us on uh, yeah, this project. The playlist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so um, Tess is kind of the secret sauce, at least for me over the years with the festival. Um, she does all of the um, production work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's me, the creator, like, oh, I think this person's cool. The, mm -hmm. You know, the curator, she's the one who actually, like after we put them under contract, she's the one that makes sure they show up yeah. on time, get sound good, mm -hmm. you know, all those things. So she's kind of that person um, for me because I don't, I don't know, you know, you know, mixes and all the things, monitors, and I mean that's her. Yeah. Backline. Ain't nothing yeah, wrong with that's that. her. Ain't so. nothing wrong with that. Shout out to Sonic Pie yes. Productions. Shout Sonic out to Pie. Tess and, and the stuff that she's doing. Uh, you you alluded to this a little bit, but. You said because of COVID, y'all had to wait to open the, art, the, the box yard uh, stage. Yeah. How else has COVID changed the way that you curate when you do that work? Because Ooh. you're doing it again, but what's different about it? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, what's different with COVID now is just having to be really, really thoughtful about how many people can fit in this space. Um, and just, you know, making sure people are safe. Um, it's hard to, to really, you know, commit to any big event, like one big event, right. um, which is hard for me because I like to do like one big thing and be out. Um, so that's kind of the change with COVID is like, you know, doing these smaller, um, you know, kind of methodical every week yeah. type of events. And that's different because, you know, back in the day, we used to try to force, I'm not going to say force, but pile as many people <laughs> as many in the venue. Things, yeah. You know, on top of one another, yeah. um, you know, one in, one out type situations. Yep. <laughs> Where's the capacity? He's out. Okay, you can come on in. Uh, you know. can't do that anymore. I mean, oh, well, man. you shouldn't. You should uh, not. You be shouldn't doing be yeah. doing those things wow. anymore. So. Interesting. Yeah. So, do you think that? that's going to change the game because of all this thing happening. Do you think we're ever going to get back to a pile everybody in motor code situation? Or do you think that it's going to be like nine 11 where security yeah. changed at the airport? Yeah, and like it's still things like will that. never change. Yeah. Um, or, or things have changed forever. Forever. I do think that we're, you know, we're at that place where like wearing a mask or people wanting to even wear a mask um, is, is commonplace now. Yeah. I even find myself 
I don't even really check in with like what's the mask policy. It's like I'm just gonna carry my mask, mm-hmm. and if people want me to wear it, then I'll I'll wear it. I do worry um, about mandates from non-federal places. Um, you know, mandating that you have vaccination cards. I'm a big like, you know, vax, 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 but it's something about it being a non-federal building that bothers me um, because I don't want that to be kind of a a barrier because some people don't have access, right? right? Or there are things that are um, from a public health standpoint, kind of stopping people from going to get vaccinated. Does that make sense? Like if you're going to require, I feel like if you're, you are going to require someone to get vaccinated to come into your, your space, you should also allow people to get vaccinated in the parking lot. Fascinating. Right? Like you should, instead of making it be a barrier to get into their space, they should have people outside or leading up to, to where those people could get access to either a COVID test to prove that they're not, um, or to get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Then I think that all makes sense. But just saying, oh, you can't come into my space because you, you know, you gotta show your vaccination card. It's like, mm, I feel like somehow that's, an underlying socioeconomic, maybe, I don't even know if that's the right term for it, but a barrier, you know? It's a way to discriminate against people. It can be. Yeah. Um, But do you think that the Fed should be the ones, I mean, I heard you say that they should mandate it, but do you think, or excuse me, you said that they should enforce it if they had that mandate out, but do you think that they should put that mandate out? (sighs) Ah. I know that's sticky because we're in the land of the free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's a tough one. Yeah. That's a tough one. But it's something that bothers me, you know, just for the realm of, let's say, presenting. You know, it's no secret that there are a few few venues downtown in Durham that are saying you can't come into my space if you don't show your vaccination card, right? I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I'm not saying... Uh, of course, I want people to be vaccinated, yeah. but I feel like if it's that important to them, then not only would they be requiring that, but they will also then have something that helps people get there, mm-hmm. right? Do you think that, I, I like to say like in the future, but do you mm-hmm. think that um, as we we go through this, this particular phase mm-hmm. of COVID, mm-hmm. live venues, I'm talking about what you're talking about, but do you think that if I go to the show, if I go to the Wu-Tang concert, outside there should be a way for me to get at least vaccinated and tested if I'm going to go to that? Yeah. That's the new wave. I think there should be immediate access. Okay. I agree. You know? Yeah. Instead of just saying, get it how you get it, Mm -hmm. but when you get in here, you need to have had it. So does how, that make sense? It, <laughs> like, it does make sense. I'm just thinking about like the, it's the type of thing where like you go to a place, you know, like you go in a country club. They want you to put on a jacket. Where's my where, where am I going to get a jacket? Right. There's jackets right here in the closet. They do do that. You're right. They do that. You see what I'm they saying? Say, here, you can wear one of these. Same thing. 
Where it's like, I'm not discriminating against you because you don't have a jacket on. I'm saying, you, you gotta, gotta have one. a jacket on. Yeah. Here's a jacket. Same thing. I can feel that. Yeah. I guess I can feel that. So, do you see any reverb effect after? Hopefully, we can get rid of this COVID 19 and its yeah. variants. But what kind of reverb effect do you see? from all this happening in your industry. It's rough. I mean, you know, venues have, you talking about in my day job You know what, let's talk about both because you're such a fascinating person. (laughs) I I really think it's important. I want to talk about the the venues because that's probably easier for now. Yeah. Um, Because I think a lot of people who are probably listening, especially people in Durham, know you from that. Mm -hmm. But then the the research aspect of it sounds like it might be a little more complex. Research is popping. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no, I mean, there's a bunch of work out there that's vaccine related and it's not stopping. That's just done. That's just the way it's going to be from, for the foreseeable future. I've not seen, you know, we go on these things called bid defenses Uh where like, you know, companies put out requests for proposal. If you can help run their trial, Mm -hmm. it ain't dried up. The stock for Cineos Health has gone up during the pandemic. Thank so. you for telling me that. I'm going to go ahead now. <laughs> and, uh, and, so I'm and just invest. saying, healthcare right now, you know, kids out there going to school or yeah. trying to think about what they're going to go into. Healthcare. Yeah. You know, something healthcare related. I remember my mom always wanted me to be a medical doctor, mm-hmm. right? But that was just not going to happen for me. But um, it was cool once I took a stats elective at. Um, Tennessee State and my professor um, is a biostatistician Mm -hmm. and he got his PhD from UNC Chapel Hill that's how I got here was through him he was like have you ever thought about doing biostatistics I was like I don't know what that is (laughs) but as he explained it to me I was like oh this can check a box with me doing math and my mama right it's like oh this is some you know it's biomedical data Mm, I can do this. And so it checked the box, you know, still helping in the realm of, you know, medicine per Mm -hmm. se, but just, I don't have to deal with the patients. I just want to, you know, take their data and analyze it and see if there are any trends or if there's anything bad happening and then be able to, you know. So y'all are good on the research side. What What about the live venue side? What does that post pandemic look like? Oh, no. Mm. Damn, I, don't know. I thought you were going to have the answers. That's why I brought you in. <laughs> well, here's the thing. The thing I worry about is that the little guys, the little guys will fall away. You, you know. Right? I heard the same thing. Uh, Live Nation going to be good. Because, see, Live Nation going to come around here and get all the little guys. Just yep. gobble them right on up. So they were doing that before. They were be doing clear. that yeah. before. But, I mean, it's easy. It's easy now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't even have to come put no pressure on you. You know, it's like you probably trying to give it away. I, you know, I got to give credit to my man Nick for putting this into my ear. But we had a conversation a few weeks. Nicolay, um, mm-hmm. we had a few, com- few, uh, few conversations mm-hmm. about this. And one of the things that he told me was exactly what you're saying. He said, I think that people like, he pointed to me because I used to play in shows. He said, I think people like you who do this, you know, as a passion project, I think it's going to be harder for people like that to turn a profit in this kind of thing. Now. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that smaller venues are going to get swallowed up. And it's just, it's, it's interesting that him and I had this conversation a few weeks ago and you're saying the same exact thing. Yep. 
goodness, that's sad. And I like, I actually prefer going to, you know, the smaller shows. Um, there's a show in Charlotte that I want to go to. Kiefer, Kiefer, Kiefer is coming yeah. to Charlotte on a Thursday. And I'm like, I need to try to get there because I want to see Kiefer. So it's one of those things where it's just like, I'm not one as one to, no, just to Deepak at all. But once you've gotten to Deepak, I, I'm a little less interested. It's you know, once thing. you get to, yeah. let, let's not pick on Deepak, but yeah. once you get to a bigger venue, I want to see Anderson Pack at Penhook oh, yeah. or at some little small little home. I want to see Lucky Day at Motorco, right? I want to see them before, you know, I think he's going to be doing some more Earth, Wind, and Fire now. Mm-hmm. Cool, but I like the up and coming. Yeah, how are you finding people like that? Because even with Art of Cool, I think it was, was it Anderson Pack? Yes. Yeah, you knew about this cat before anyone else. <laughs> you brought him here. And he's not the only one. That's the yeah. thing. A lot of people who went on to just pop, you knew about them before. What are yeah. you doing? What are you listening to so that you know about the newest, latest, greatest? Two things. I listen to a lot of different like podcasts. I'm always when I'm working like in my regular, you know, stats job, I always have like a podcast on. So whether it's, you know, a lot of it came through selection, just listening to um, Joe K, listening to a lot of UK um, podcasts. Um, Very progressive. Yes. So that's part of it. But the other part was just having younger people around me on my team um, because it's interesting how Anderson Peck came about because I wasn't hunting for him. Like, I was actually hunting for the internet. And I finally got um, the booking agent to commit to the internet. And so I think I was getting the internet and Thundercat. And then just like how if you're at the grocery store at the very end there's all this stuff at the end and they want you to like take this person she was like oh have you heard of anderson and i'm like i already done spent all this money you know getting these two I, you know yeah and so she was like you really need to take a listen and so she sent me his package or whatever and um am i wrong am i wrong the song am i wrong so that was I, the one. That was the one. And so I listened to it and then Might Be, mm-hmm. which was interesting at the time because I thought that the Might Be that was on the radio, 97.5, was his Might Be. But it wasn't. It was Luke Nasty's mm-hmm. Might Might Be. And Ninth Wonder then had to school me on the fact that I didn't have anybody that was on my roster that actually was on the radio. I was like, no, Anderson Might Be. He was like, no, that's Luke Nasty. So I was like, but this is interesting because that's the part about Art of Cool. Yeah. Art of Cool is supposed to get you to jazz. It's supposed to get you to like, you know, learn about, you know, black American music, which may not be on the radio. Mm -hmm. So I was like, that's fine. People know might be. Right. Even if it's they know the song, they know know the 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 title of the song. They know the song. It's the same exact hook. I was like, okay, they'll find it. They'll, you know, realize what it was. I had no clue that Anderson Pack was going to be, you know, Modella, Modelo Anderson Pack. Listen. Uh, 
playing with uh, what is it? Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. They Silk Sonic. Silk Sonic. Yeah, they have a whole group. I had no idea he was gonna be that. And if I told you what we booked him for, it you would be like, what? I mean, like, not back then. No, no, no. Back then, I mean, it seemed for us a little article. It seemed like a lot. But, I mean, he really was one that was, oh, yeah, by the way. Like, yeah. we were going for internet. We were going for, th uh, you know, Thundercat. And we got those two. And this was kind of like, oh, by the way. And yeah. she even said, she's like, he's going to be big. You know, they always say, he's going to be big. But am I wrong really stuck with me day after day after day commuting into work. That was my song. And that was it. And so you were like, I have to have I was like, he's, he's catchy. And, and his voice was very unique. How long did it take you to sit on that music before you said, okay, yeah, let's bring it? Mm, a few days. That's it? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. A few days, and no one knew him. We booked him. We actually booked him. I think Hopscotch might have been looking at him, and um, Greg from Hopscotch mm -hmm. was down at South by Southwest, and he was like, he hit me, and he was like, that was a good booking. He was <laughs> like, this dude is Killing South and Southwest. He even said, because I think we had already put out our schedule. Mm -hmm. He said, you need to move him. He said, he not gonna, it's too much for, for Penhook. He said, you need to move him from Penhook to whatever the next biggest venue you have. That's why we moved him from Penhook to um, the Armory. That is amazing. That, now that story, I'm glad we got that. <laughs> I'm so glad we got that. <laughs> Good gosh, that was amazing. I just, I still, that year of booking was, we had the most amazing luck. Like, it was just the most amazing luck of, like, that, that lineup was just stellar. I admire you and the work that you were doing. It was fun. Done. It was a fun ride. So, I have to ask you this as a leader. Yeah. I asked my last guest this, and <clears throat> we're not asked this a lot, but are you okay? Been doing all right? Yeah, I'm fine. All right. I'm fine. Um, one thing that has been really interesting, you've been, you have mentioned something about ripple effects. Um, so, you know, my life has slowed down considerably. I'm a bonus mom. You know, we have a house here, um, you know, downtown. But just housing market-wise, pandemic, crazy, crazy. I was going to move. No, I'm not. not <laughs> We've been thinking about getting a bigger house because yeah. the boys are getting bigger. And it's just like... Hey, selling the house, no problem. Gonna make a whole bunch of money. Yeah, we're 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 just thinking like, man, we sell this, we're gonna make. We were talking yesterday, we're gonna we make gonna this money. Where we gonna go? But where where we gonna go? You can oh, go to uh, all that money we made. We gonna have to put on this offer. No, you can go out the country. You can go out to past Rougemont. Let me tell you something. Past Even Rougemont. houses in Youngsville. It's too close to Raleigh. I'm just saying. The reason why? That's why it's expensive. Youngsville done. Oxford. You gotta I mean, go to Murphy, they are North going. Carolina. They are they are up there. I mean, even beyond what they would appraise yeah. for. It's yeah. ignorant. Yo, you you have the tax value. Tax value could be I don't know, three hundred fifty. Right. But what you're gonna be paying for it, five hundred fifty. Oh, you gotta overreach if you want that house. You gotta overreach. I mean, and I, you're gonna have to have. Cash. I've been hearing that. On that due diligence. We talking about cash. And then cash. I've also heard that people are, it's, it's normal now in Durham to, to offer at least 70000 over what they're asking. Yeah. That's nuts. I don't want a house right now. I'm going to wait. I'm going to try to wait we it out. We put an offer in 
last week. Mm-hmm. 85 over. No, nah, you didn't get it. Outbid. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, welcome to Durham. Crazy. And the person that outbid you may not be from Durham. I don't think we're actually competing with people. I think we're competing with Open Door. I think we're competing with Open Door, Zillow, these Zestimate people. Take a bios statistician to say that. Like, I'm starting to think that we're not, because if it's a seller's market and a lot of people are willing to buy, then you would think it would be an even exchange, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you're in a house, you're buying a house, so your house is now up for, you know, up for yeah. sale. But it's not working like that. It's just people buying, buying, mm-hmm. buying, buying. You see what I'm saying? So it, it can't be a person that actually needs to live in. It's got to be a company. Yeah. Damn. That's what I think is happening. You might be right. You is might that be the right. open doors of the world are buying up all the inventory. But you do and know. And then buying it waiting for like a couple weeks and then putting it back out there because they know it's low inventory. Have you not seen that? No. (laughs) I didn't know that's what they were doing. Are you serious? You'll see a house like go for sale at like last month. Mm -hmm. Come back for sale. More. The next month. 50 grand more. Yeah. All right. Makes sense. (laughs) That makes sense. We haven't, so that's amazing. And I'm glad we got it on video. Yeah. But it's amazing that we really haven't. I know we've spoken on the phone here and there and text, text each other, but this is the first time we've been in a room since then. Mm-hmm. I will say, like, you know, the pandemic, between the pandemic and just, like, I would have to say burnout from yeah. just the festival and the scene and everything that was going on. Because, again, it was like, go, 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 mm-hmm. go, go. Bigger, bigger, bigger. Who you want to see next year? Somebody put down... Um, Kendrick Lamar. I think it was at that point I was like, "Ask P about Kendrick when he came to Durham." I was just like, and he, he actually has a funny story about it. That's why I say ask him. Does about it have it. anything to do with um, McDougal's Harris? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've heard it. But you know, you start to see that, and it's like you're flattered. Yeah. That you that people see your festival as being worthy of a Pulitzer Prize winner. That's amazing. Right? But well, he wasn't a Pulitzer Prize winner. He wasn't at then. the time, yeah. but still. Yeah. And and then thinking about that booking. I one, I will never live up to this person's standard, right? And then two, I will go broke trying to. Yeah. So I was just like, you know, I I'm exhausted. It's almost like being a victim of, of the success of Art of Cool because I don't know if people understood. There's an actual person, yep. not a company, not a you know, publicly traded live nation behind Art of Cool Festival. The people making decisions are like you and me, like your neighbor. Yeah you know, making decisions. And so at that point, it's just, it it got exhausting. So it was just almost like, I'm just getting to the point where it's like, okay, we sold it. Ooh, my baby went off to college. Now you feeling good. I ain't got to worry about it no more. Yeah. Um, And then the pandemic kind of slowed everything down. I'm like really just getting back to the place where it's just like, I can do this. Yeah. Yes, I can do this. I can do a box yard. I can do whatever. But when I'm not doing this, I am cheering Kobe, 
on at his basketball game, you know, um, you know, taking him to basketball camp. The new Kobe, by the way. Yeah, like yeah. my Kobe. Your Kobe. Yeah. I, just want, I want to clarify for the my camera. My Kobe, yeah. who's, you know, a seven-year-old, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Who, who wants to be the next uh, Steph Curry. Oh, so, you know. amazing. And then we got a football, one who starts football um, tomorrow. Yep. Okay. Five years old. So that's what I used to play. I used to play football. Yeah, football he guy. he's the football player. <laughs> <laughs> he he want to tackle somebody, but we got to tell him it's flag football right now. I don't understand this flag football. <laughs> right, I that's kind of what he's like yeah. too. He was like, so I can't tackle nobody. I'm like, not with this. You just gotta run fast and steal the flag. Doesn't make sense. If you're a defense guy, he sounds like me. Like, I was a defense guy. He wants guy. to run someone Yeah. Over. You want to chase after people. You want to, this is what you want to do. You want to have somebody running and thinking they got away. And then <laughs> as they're running away, you want to hear silence and hear a man with an English accent saying, as he clutches the Giselle in his mouth. Yeah, You know, you want to hear the nature thing, like, like you're getting ready to go out and hunt. You that's want all Kevin. that. Yeah, you don't want to go and take somebody's flag. Like, no. Like, let me have your. So no. I'm hoping that he can just stick with it during this time because we think he'll do really well once he gets to like the tackle part. That's great. So, I I realize we are going long. So, I've got one last question for you. Okay. Um, it's it's just because you talked about the music and the booking. I remember having conversations with you about culture. Like, how can, what's the tone? How is it going to feel? How do we, this is what should happen when people walk <laughs> in. You remember that? Like, yeah. this is how we want it to be. So, how do you think the culture is going to change? Um, the culture, when I say that, I'm talking about the culture we were kind of building on to around here. How do you feel is going to change post-pandemic when you consider the variables, and I use that because you're a biostatistician, yeah. When you consider the variables of so many people moving in, we got 20 people plus moving in per day. Yeah. You have a, we have a global pandemic going on. So that's, that's creating time that we're all away from each other. So with all those things considered, how does the culture get back to a point where, or I don't want to say get back to a point where we're necessarily going out, but when do we get back to a point where people are feeling good and they're out? Like, how do we do that? How do we do that healing to get to that point? I think um, just like with anything, um, city and culture and kind of arts culture wise, we, we should plan for it. Just like there's a strategic plan um, for how you're going to pump money down into or how you're going to, you know, plan that this part of the city is going to be developed. I do think um, it's probably going to be best that we plan for what that looks like. Um, I agree with you on that. We were so used to, like you said, it's the land of the, land of the free, you know, and, and everyone wants to pack in and be on top of one another. I worry just about social graces. I yeah. worry about people um, knowing each other's boundaries, um, yeah, people that. being able to tolerate people for a long time. I do think set times probably need to be shorter. Um, because people may not even be able to stand all of that that we used to be. Right. Does that make sense? Because I know for me, I was never a social folk, but I can't be out too long. Like, I just feel like I got to get the home base. I got, 
I'm good. I got to get to home base. I'm out maybe an hour, hour and a half, two. Gotta go home. Gotta go home. I did that with my boy the other night. We went out and uh, I told him, I said, uh, I'll go out with you because I haven't seen you in a while. So I'll mm-hmm. go out with you. But I'm going home at this time. Yeah. And so when that time came, I rolled out. He said, I thought you were playing. No. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm not going home. Haven't you noticed I've been drinking water? I haven't been drinking with you. I've been drinking water the whole time. Oh, I got stuff to do tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So it, it's changed me, and that's why I ask you, because it sounds like it's changed you yeah. as well. Yeah, and I'm more focused. It gives you time to kind of, you know, focus more on things that are most important. Um, my family decided to implement a Zoom call every other Sunday, right? Yeah. That my, you know, my immediate family, like my mom, my dad, my sister, you know, we're on it, but then my cousins in California come on. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, that's one bright spot that has happened is that we still continue that tradition of it's just an open Zoom. Everybody kind of pop in, you know, if they can say what's going on, you know, connect with one another. So I've actually seen more of my cousins out in California than I've ever seen them. I may have to Because they're that. on Zoom, yeah. you know, and it's just it's a standing call. Mm-hmm. Right. And whoever can come in, you know, during that Sunday, you know, you may be busy doing something else. Then you just push to the next. But it's every other Sunday. And that is one bright spot that has been like family that kind of, you know, family century. This was from the person like I had my condo over there. You know, I I was the Carrie Bradshaw. I thought I was (laughs) the the Carrie Bradshaw Bradshaw of Durham, Durham. (laughs) you know, minus minus the big, I guess. So you were the Carrie Bradshaw where I was one of the mad men. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, you know, I had my little condo and I thought I was, you know, I was popping in and out. Yeah. But, you know, then now it's all about family and stuff like that. I will say that the pandemic really helped with that transition. Yeah. Right. Because there was nothing really then competing for that time. Um, you know, I was always one. Of, I didn't want to have kids. But if someone brought some kids to it. I can do that. I don't want to change nothing. I don't want to milk nothing. I don't want to do all that. Yeah. But I can, you know. And here you are. Here I am. A boy so cool. mom. That is cool. So, Cicely, before we wrap up, do you have anything you want to plug? Anything you got going? That's <laughs> how they plug. do on TV. Ain't that what they do? They're like, oh, I got a new record coming out. I ain't selling nothing. Thank <laughs> God. I ain't selling not one ticket to nothing. Nothing. That's what I'm talking about. Nothing. I'm nothing. not selling anything. Um, I want everybody, you know, to really take what's going on with the pandemic um, serious. And, um, you know, if you're not vaccinated, you know, get educated on vaccinations. Yeah. Um you know, it's it's not a conspiracy behind the vaccinations. Trust me, there are educated researchers that look like you yeah. that are making sure that everything is above board and things are being done, you know, in, in the right order. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the biggest thing is I want to make sure everybody is out there and getting access to the vaccination because I do think going into the winter 
Um, we Ooh, may. Everybody gets warm. They want to. They get cold. <laughs> they want to be next to someone that's warm. Uh, you know, Ooh. there was some quarantine bays. I heard. There were a bunch. There were a bunch. There was some. You know, they had a little. You know, whatever that little cell a, was. You yeah, know, they I had, had a some quarantine bay. Like, I'm 50 now. What do I look like with kids? And I said, You look like you look now with <laughs> a child. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's what you it know, is. But just you know, people be safe out there if you are going to be inside. And of course, if you're not vaccinated, make sure you're masked up okay um you know the gyms started opening back up because i go to a, like a private gym where it's like one-on-one -on -one. but um i also need access to a treadmill so you know there are some gyms that had mask requirements and at first i hated it yeah because it's hard to run with Very a mask hard. on I've tried. Um, so then yes yeah. i was like this is more than a workout I'm about to die. Well, you know, they, they used to make the mask that you could put on just yeah. for working out. Yeah. So, yeah, that used to be a part of making your workout worse. So, like, I tried better. several different masks and settled on um, the Under Armour mask. I can breathe the most in that one. Yeah, I might need that recommendation. Under Armour. Is it, is it just Under Armour or is it yeah, a certain kind? It's not a certain kind, okay. you know. Um, and the boys have it for when they're playing their sports and it's breathable. Okay. But, I mean, you know, try to stay in some sort of, you know, fitness. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, you know, we, we like to eat and we like to drink and we're nesting. Mm -hmm. But still have your, you know, kind of fitness. I know for me, that's what I, I do for mental health. You yeah. know, I got to get up. I get up early in the morning, sweat. Before I'm even, you know, working, I have to have that. So whatever your things are, you know, make sure on. you're doing that. That's mm -hmm. amazing. Where can people find you? Oh, wow. Um, at the crib? No, I'm sorry. Online. <laughs> uh, where can they find you? Online. Um, if they want, if people are interested in finding out about these events that you're doing, oh. where do they go? Well, they can go to goldenbellarts.com, which you did the website. Or they can go, <laughs> yeah, shameless plug. Yeah, no worries. Um, and then they can also go to um, rtp.org where the schedule for Box Yard is out there. Cool, mm -hmm. cool, cool. All right. Well, Cicely, thank you. So thank much. you. This was fun. And this was fun for me. Mm -hmm. It was fun just catching up. And we're going we're gonna to sit here and drink, apparently. Uh, <laughs> so, so thank you for, for just you know being here. Thank you for tuning in to Conversations. Um, please like us. Follow us and subscribe. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe on YouTube. On all, well, not all the tubes. Uh, <laughs> Wait, Tay what? told me not to say all the tubes because <laughs> there are tubes that we don't want to have people subscribe to. That's too to. much. That's too much. So anyway, uh, <laughs> please find us, follow us, subscribe, and uh, go to our website, www.complexcreative.com, where you can find new clips. Until we get the Conversations website up, because... We got to figure all that out. But in any event, looking forward to seeing you guys next time. Thank you to my guest, Cicely. And I'm going to holler at y'all later. Peace.